But where are you really from? A podcast about the Asian American struggle. Hey everyone, I'm Angela Lin, and I'm Jesse Lin, and welcome back to "But Where Are You Really From." Today we are talking about dating outside of the race, interracial relationships. <laughs> uh, I think we've touched on this briefly in some of our past episodes, where we've talked about relationships, dating, sex, and intimacy, that kind of stuff. But we wanted to dig into. Um, this in particular, because I think there's a lot of like cultural things that maybe our family upbringings brought into the mix in terms of like the way we were looking at who could be prospective partners, as well as the way society and where we grew up kind of shaped probably the way that we were looking at who we would be attracted to and all that stuff. So we wanted to dissect this also because Jesse and I have mainly um, dated outside of the race. So it's, uh, yeah, so let's just dissect our own personal lives further. Oh, and also today's my wedding day. So I'll be in Spain having my one year late post-COVID <laughs> wedding. I was going to say it's an interracial wedding too, but I guess that doesn't I quite mean, translate. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I mean, if, it is. <laughs> if, you, if you know either of us personally, you'll know that our history with dating people is basically like we don't date people of the same, of our own race. And as Angela mentioned, there's very, very many reasons for that and we're gonna get into it now so um i will try to dig deep into my (laughs) self-honesty pot and say that i definitely feel like i don't i don't date within the race within the race let's use this terminology because i feel like I would have too many things in common with the person in a way. And also behind that, the dynamics of attraction are also really, really complicated. Like I do find Asian guys attractive, like I'm into them, but it really took me a long time to get there Mm -hmm. because of how we grew up and being bombarded in the media of this whole like if you wanted to be masculine, you had to look a certain way and you had to have a certain body type. And usually those images were not images of Asian men. So it took a long time for me to come around to the idea that Asian men were attractive. Although mm-hmm. I kind of like knew that all along, I had to like uncondition all this like other muck out of the way. And then after that, like I said, I feel like they're just too similar. And also, Sometimes when I think about it, I'm like, I carry a lot of problems with me, like a lot of trauma baggage with me. And I'm like, these people probably do too, because we have kind of like a shared experience, right? So I'm like, do I really want to like these things together? Like they might understand better, but also like they're bringing their own 
emotional baggage that's similar. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do you that. You want different emotional that's baggage. Right. Is what that's you're right. That's right. I want the buff- emotional baggage buffet, not the, um, <laughs> what's the opposite of buffet where you do the same thing every day? Is there such a thing? I don't know. I don't know. The same, I don't want to eat. I don't want to have the same thing. Yeah, basically. What about you? Interesting. I think some of the same stuff, definitely the media portrayal and the societal messages about what is attractive or supposed to be attractive definitely influenced the way that I looked at all men um, and certainly Asian men. I think for me, the bigger thing, bigger two things is my own rejection of my Asianness because mm-hmm. I mean we've talked about this, but like, yeah, we didn't want to be Asian growing up. Mm-hmm. It's like easier to be white. And so what well, it's not what better way, but like what additional what greater additional way can I erase my own Asianness than to try to find a life partner who is not Asian so that I can like tell myself how un-Asian I am, right? Um, Especially because I think at a young age, like when we're teenagers, adults are like this too, but especially when you're teenagers, all you want is to be accepted and to be loved by other people. And you seek validation from the outside world. So if you are able to attract and maintain a not Asian person who at the time we thought was like superior to Asians because we didn't want to be Asian, then you're kind of like validating to yourself how important you are because you're able to like magnetize a superior person, right? So I think that was a lot of what like caused me to seek that out when I was younger, at least. Yeah, that's I definitely feel that. And I want to add to that, like there's even there's like parts, there's moments in my life where I look at the people that I'm attracted to and I'm and I have to ask myself the question. And the question is, am I attracted to them because they're attractive? Like they actually look good and I enjoy their appearance or am I attracted to them because I want to be this person because Mm -hmm. of all the privileges and the handing to you on a silver platter that you get as a person when you look a certain way. And honestly, for a long time, I couldn't delineate that. And that was like really fucking me up because I was like, not couldn't, couldn't distinguish if I was interested in the person or interested in this idea of the person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's also like, definitely when I was younger, I think I did similar exercises where I had to be like, am I attracted to this person because of this or because of some other thing? And for me, I do think there was a point in my life where I was like, if this person weren't white, <laughs> how many points would I subtract from like how attractive I think they are, right? And like, when you have to ask yourself that kind of question, it's actually pretty revealing because I think sometimes I was like, this person's terrible or like they, you know, they're not special. And Mm -hmm. if they were Asian or if they were a different minority, would I think they're that interesting? No. So it's... I, I definitely think a lot of it is just a mirror onto ourselves 
of like what we wanted to be and therefore what we were trying to reel in ourselves. Yeah, I totally agree. Do you love ramen, Jesse? Oh my God, yes. Don't you hate the shitty instant ramen we have here in the States though? Um, totally and completely. What if I could tell you that you could get premium instant ramen direct from Japan delivered straight to your door? Did you know that in Japan, instant ramen is actually legit? They put a lot of care into using high quality ingredients for the soup, the noodles, and <laughs> the toppings. But how do I get access to that when I live here? Well, bitch, you're in luck. We've teamed up with 5AM Ramen, a business based out of Tokyo that is obsessed with all things ramen. They are offering premium curated sets of the best instant ramen in Japan to consumers worldwide. And with our special discount code, you'll get 5% off your order and free shipping worldwide. Just use ReallyFrom5 at checkout. Head over to instantramen.jp now and use our promo code REALLYFROM5. Oishi! Well, I think we can also take a look at it from the lens of like what our cultural expectations are in terms of who we date. And by cultural expectations, we mean our parents because really <laughs> they're, they're the enforcers, the arbiters of culture. I oh well you know like of, of our of, of our understanding our culture. of culture you know it's not like other Asian people are like you must date Asian people they don't know you like that they don't yeah care. I don't it's know the really... way you said it was like oh wow our parents are like influencers they're they like are. at the cutting edge of culture they represent like, oh. well if you guys listen to the episode with Shibani they represent this like very fixed yeah. time capsule of culture. And it is kind of interesting. It's like visiting a museum because <laughs> <laughs> those things don't exist anymore. Like it's it's a very good point. But I will say with my parents, and I've mentioned this before, they've never really brought up anything related to dating. I'm sure the expectations were like, date a nice Asian girl. Nice Asian girl is Taiwanese. Nice Asian girl speaks Mandarin. She probably cooks very well. Some you know your regular kind of concept of what a good wife would be like but obviously being like extremely pink sheep it did not pan out that way and I don't think either of my parents have really mentioned anything about that in terms of a specific race that they would like me to date I think the most recent thing that my mom mentioned was that like she just wants to make sure that I'm seeing someone that is kind and she was also like I like people who are gregarious very friendly and she also said she would like to be able to communicate with this person so i guess this is where the gregariousness comes in because even if you can speak the same language you can be like eh, and you know get along that way you have many you have many uh layers there to share <laughs> interesting i could talk for hours i could talk for hours about this because this this was the second half of what i was saying of like um my big reasons is my parents crammed this down my throat from when I was like at any at the first age where like boys are a potential like 
interest in your life instead of something you hate, right? Because when you're younger, you're like, oh, I hate boys. Yeah, boys, boys cooties, are gross. Yeah. And you, you, you vice versa with girls, right? But then basically from the time I could have ever developed a crush, they started like trying to brainwash me with these like very strict rules. It was very weird because at the same time that they were like, you're not allowed to date. They were still indoctrinating me with their like hopes and desires of who I would end up being with. And for them, it was well, it was weird because when I was growing up, when I was younger, my dad was always more kind of like aloof in the conversation where he made it seem like he was more liberal about the prospects of like whoever I would be with. But my mom always had like a very strict opinion and she was like, has to be. Chinese or Taiwanese, like can speak Mandarin, like has to be this kind of person. Yeah. Um, but it really was pretty focused because I think I had this conversation with other other friends as well, um, because, you know, we, we teed up this episode as inside or outside the race, but the race mm. is a very broad exactly. term, right? And for some parents who are Asian, they're like, hey, as long as you like kind of look like me, you're you're good enough, right? Like also Asian. For my mom, it was not also Asian. It was like had to be a Chinese speaking person because my brother would also play the like, what if she ends up with a Korean American or whatever? And she'd be like, no, <laughs> like it was it was all no, except for like this, this very narrow band. And we talked about this in our like dating stuff, dating episodes. But like because she was always indoctrinating me with this stuff, but also not allowing me to date, I was like. I felt even more fucked up because in my head, I was like, I'm not even attractive to anyone because like I have had zero relationships and you're trying to like crush my probabilities of ending up with someone even further by limiting me to this like very tiny percentage of people. What if I just end up alone forever? Like, I think it was a really like negative loop for me because it just felt pretty like hopeless to me where I was like, you I don't know that I'm going to be able to fulfill this and maybe I'll just end up alone. So it was, it was a pretty like rough kind of like uh, expectation or like thing to live up to. Yeah. For me. It is a yeah. lot of pressure. Let me ask you a deep probing question. Do you feel like being squeezed that way actually drove you away? Yes. from dating? Okay. Yes. And that's why I was saying it's, it was a huge influence yeah. to me. And what is funny, though, is um, I was pretty adamant of like, well, fuck that. If you're going to be so like strict with me that that's all you accept, then like I'm not going to date someone who's like that. And I think for me, I I didn't explicitly say like I'm not going to date Asian people. Um it just kind of like worked out that way. But it, in my head, I, I remember thinking like, oh, wouldn't it be ironic if I did somehow still end up with like a Taiwanese American who can speak I, I Mandarin. I mentioned this, yeah. Yeah, and I was, I remember thinking that. And then also at the same time, it was like, I mean, I wouldn't care. Like if, if that's what I end up with, great. But like, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna be seeking out that person as like, that's the only kind of person that I can end up with. So yeah. I was never like, I was outwardly like, fuck that. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna date this kind of person because you're mm -hmm. telling me I have to. But inwardly I was, because I felt so like 
unappealing to people because I had zero dating experience. I think secretly on the inside, I was like, I don't care. Like I, you know, I, I'm going to end up with like whoever is interested in me that I'm also interested in. And even if it's a Taiwanese American, my mom secretly wins this in the end, like I'll suck it out because that's better than being like alone, which was my like fear, big fear. Mm. Got it. So I know we're supposed to be talking about like inter like racial makeup of the date <laughs> people we date, but I did want to ask, like, did you ever get a sense from your parents, aside from the race and language component of the kind of person they wanted you to date? No, like, they did not give a fuck. That's no, that's so, not true. Actually, that's okay. not I was true. Like, <laughs> you know what? It's not true, and it is true. The only other thing they said is, um, well, my dad really pushed that they should be rich. That's it. They didn't give a shit about how this person treated me or I mean, I'm sure they did, but they never spoke about Made it. Made a point of it. They did yeah. not care about like intellectual, you know, compatibility, interest, that kind of stuff. Um, I think there was always, though, an unspoken thing that like they should be at the same kind of like intellectual like what I don't think at the time I was like, I'm going to go to grad school, but like, you know, whatever I ended up with, I think they were implicitly saying like, wherever you're at, they should at least be at that um, mm. to be like acceptable. I think that was always there. They never said it, um, but they never talked about personality or whatever. I think my mom had this very naive belief that like, as long as she could communicate native, you know, native tongue wise with someone, she would get along with them no matter what. I'm like, that's pretty bizarro to like think that way because we're not all the same. I am hmm. always curious because like they're coming from such a different place where it wasn't even possible to date somebody not yes. in the race. Right. So sometimes I think about it and I wonder if they even kind of what you're describing like they just can't picture it for you because it didn't exist for them yeah but, but because of the pressure that we had and like the i guess the negative associations that we had with our culture growing up we were like we do see possibilities of dating other people and we're gonna go we're gonna do that and we prefer doing that yeah and i think i talked about this a little bit previously but I mean, looking back now, I have a lot more empathy towards what my mom was trying to get at, which is, I think she was coming from a place of fear herself, which is like, I can see how she would have wanted to be able to rely on like future family, right? She's like forecasting yeah. out very far when I was like yeah. 11 thinking of yeah. this stuff, right? But like, you know, thinking into old years of like, who am I gonna spend time with? My my family, mm -hmm. my extended family. And like, I wanna be able to be very close with that family and language being a barrier will be a detriment to me being able to be close with them. So I definitely have a lot of empathy for that, especially now because I am married to someone who can't speak Chinese. And I totally understand it. Um, I just think the way that it was presented as, which is so typical Asian parent, right? Which is like, this is a mandate, you have no choice. Like <laughs> that kind of way of presenting it made it much more unlikely that I was gonna end up down that path. So yeah. I feel for her and I'm trying everything I can to like make it smoother, but yeah. it, yeah, it was not the right approach at the time. 
Well, um, what do you think are, what do you think are some of the good points and bad points to dating someone outside of the race? And let's just say, for the purpose of what we've d- discussing, somebody that doesn't fit this Taiwanese Mandarin-speaking mold that our parents would be most interested in. I see. Um, I think the pro of dating someone outside the race is definitely. <laughs> I'll expand on your diversification of emotional baggage. That's not really the top of my list of like I want different kind of baggage, but for me, it's definitely like diversity of thoughts and diversity of culture. Because you know, like we grew up Taiwanese American, we have our own culture that we were raised on, and we have a lot to offer. To you know, there's a lot of interesting. History, customs, food, and stuff that we bring because of the way we were raised. I really like exchanging those things with Ramon. He's from Spain, so it's like really fun to see him light up when he's like, "Oh, let me teach you how to make this like tapa that we eat in Spain all the time. That like any bar has this, and it makes me feel at home." Or like, "Oh, I'm gonna turn on like flamenco music because I really like." You know, it's fun to share those things and to. Uh, broaden your own world、um, by having someone introduce theirs. It's like you add up multiple little worlds, and it becomes like a bigger world, right? So I think that's one of my favorite things.、Um, how about you? I have to agree. I think that although I, I I need to preface this with I'm I have not dated cultured white people, meaning <laughs> like a white person from Europe or a country of like long historical significance. Most of the white people I've dated are people who were born in the U.S., and that means their culture is trash. So hey, whoa, <laughs> no, but I mean like they don't have like they don't have those things that you mentioned. There's no flamenco music. There's no <laughs> there's none of that stuff, but. Each kind of person brings a different flavor, as you mentioned, to the relationship. And although it might not be a preference or knowledge or information that is historically or culturally important, it is a different perspective, like you said. And I find that very interesting because you never know what a person's going to be interested in and like where those interests come from. And Those are the moments where you really learn a lot of stuff because you become you're interested in the person, so you become interested in what they're interested in, and from there you learn a lot of different things that you probably personally would never have gotten any interest in, or tried to figure anything out about or find more information about. So, I definitely agree with you that I think dating people of different races helps to bring. A different perspective and helps you learn new things, even if they aren't from a, a country of historical relevance. Okay, what about your con、uh, or cons? I will say that for me, there's always a little bit of distrust when I'm dating people outside of the race, particularly when it comes to white people, because I'm very cautious of dating people who are rice queens. And I have, do you know what that term is? No, but I can guess. <laughs> okay, a rice queen is basically a white gay man, or it could be a, any kind of person who's like a real into Asian people and like、mm-hmm. fetishizes Asian people. That's the main thing that I'm on the lookout for because while I like getting attention, I don't like getting attention for that 
only specific reason. It's very uncomfortable. And usually there's like some stereotypes attached to mm-hmm. what the rice queen thinks you are. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that. So that's like the first thing that I'm kind of like, oh, it can be kind of icky. It's like a little bit of a minefield. You might, you might find someone who's really nice and then it's like, oh, no. I also, you know, sometimes depending on the person, it's not every person, but it can be really hard to explain to a person what their privilege is and just come eye to eye on those experiences because we grew up, I don't know, I want to say that I was low middle class or really kind of middle class. And I've definitely met people and dated people that were, you know, their family had money and they didn't quite understand the mismatch of perspective and like why I would see certain issues a specific way and not be able to reconcile those different perspectives. So I've definitely found that that's been also a challenge, although it's not necessarily a racial challenge per se. I think those are like the main ones. It's like always making sure people aren't like weirdly fetishizing you and like trying to get on the same page with somebody. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I mean, the rice queen thing is basically the gay version of yellow fever, right? So yeah, that's annoying. Although let me throw this back at you though. We hate people who have yellow fever who are rice queens, but what is the difference between those people and us where we were like, I'll only date a white person? I mean, to me, I don't know if they're really is a difference because you're in both situations you're making a preference choice for not necessarily the person but just how they appear and the associations with that appearance so i don't necessarily see that there is a difference but then so then based on your own like way that you approach people who have those tendencies wouldn't wouldn't it be the same way with like white guys who'd be like oh are you only but that i guess that's the difference is that white people would never think like oh you're only into me because i'm white because that's they're the majority so (laughs) it's just like oh no i'm special that's why you like me i think this is one of those that it was like kind of related to saying it's one of those things that they don't need to think about necessarily versus like as a minority person, you're constantly thinking about all these like weird things that are not really related to you as your person, but are also important to, they're not related to you as a person, but they are very present everywhere in terms of how people think and see you. And that's not necessarily the same case for Caucasian or white people. Yes. And I'm thinking about it further. I think there is also a difference in that, like, a lot of times the people who are attracted only to Asian people are attracted because they attach, like you said, the stereotypes or like, um, they really like manga. And they really like boba. And they're just like, I just love all these things about Asian culture. So I must love you too. You are those things. Yeah, you're like the embodiment of all these things. Versus for Mm. us, it's not like, I love football. And I I love love hamburgers. Hamburgers. (laughs) (laughs) And you are an embodiment of like every American thing. Corn on the cup. You know what I mean? Like, that's not (laughs) what we're looking Mm -hmm. at. We're... 
we are pining after what society has told us is the superior the thing. We want the privilege. The, yeah. Give us the yeah. privilege. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we want. We don't care. We don't care about you. We want your privilege. Uh, and not to say that's any better, but it is, I think, not to say either is better than the other, but they're different. They're, they're different, different in like what you're actually seeing the other person as offering to you. Exactly. So interesting. Hey, everyone. We love doing this podcast. And if you enjoy our episodes, we would really appreciate if you could support us in any number of ways. First is by subscribing to us, rating us, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Second is by telling a friend. Third is following us on Instagram at wherearyoufrompod. Fourth is supporting us on Buy Me a Coffee. You can find out more about all of these by visiting our Instagram's link in bio. And again, our handle is at wherearyoufrompod. Thank you. All right. Well, listeners, we are entering the fortune cookie since we always like to end on a sweet treat. And we thought it would be fun to discuss what's the thing that we have the most trouble explaining to our partners. Angela, would you like to go first? Yes, I have it. Um, It's funny because we were very light and then you introduce this as the fun close. But the thing I'm going to say is like pretty heavy. The thing that I've had the most trouble explaining to Ramon is the concept of duty and Mm -hmm. like duty slash obligation and saving face. Like they're they're all kind of interconnected. Right. Mm -hmm. And like as to why I'm making the decisions that I'm making in my life, like at work, if I'm like killing myself at work, he'll be like, why are you doing that? They don't pay you enough. Like the, you don't need to be doing X, Y, Z. And I would be like, I told them I was going to do this thing. Like I, I put myself out there I made this promise and it's my duty to do this thing because I said I was going to do it I'm not talking about like I was going to like double check the file and I didn't do that thing I'm talking about like big projects right like Uh um, or like we were talking about decisions with the wedding and stuff and I I, like vetoed some things because I was like no because that would like be really Julian like it would be Mm -hmm. disgraceful and he was like, I didn't even think about it that way. Like, I'm like, you don't understand how much, how much importance and weight the idea of like presenting your best put forward and like saving face, looking good in front of other people and like being a really like dignified person that's like true to your word is important to Chinese culture and how much that is ingrained in me and the way that I make decisions and the way that like my parents will perceive things and stuff. And it's been really interesting because it's been coming up more recently, I think because of the wedding, we're like planning a lot of stuff, but it's, it's something I recently like dissected. I was like, this is, this is heavy. And it's like, it, it wouldn't be something I'd have to explain to another like Chinese Taiwanese person or, or even a lot of other Asian people also have this kind of these values. Right. So uh, it, it was a big disconnect and it's something that we're like learning. Yes. And learning together and like working through and 
but yeah, it's it's really difficult to to explain that kind of thing uh, because otherwise, to, to us, it's just like it's just understood. It's like that's that's incredibly important. But how about you? Hopefully, it's lighter than mine. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it light. I was gonna say something, not not heavy. Not no. Like, throw yeah. your real answer. Throw your real answer. No, this was my real answer, but it's it's really just the little things like the way that i think about it is that when you're with another person of the same experience so a taiwanese american person who can barely speak any mandarin there's some things that you have gone through that are very similar and so it's almost like you share an inside joke your life is an inside joke and so there are many things in your life that you can just understand you don't need to explain it and it's all these like small things out in the world like when you're ordering food or you see something funny on the street or you're talking to someone about something specific like what you were just saying those are all things that you don't have to explain necessarily to someone who's lived your experience and it's always something that you have to explain to somebody who's not of the same race and a lot of the times kind of like what you're saying it's not you just can't explain it and or like if you explain it like explaining an inside joke, it's not funny anymore or yeah. it's not interesting anymore or it's just this kind of like, it factually doesn't seem to have significance, right? Because I, I think that's kind of like what Ramon is saying. He's like, this doesn't make factual sense right. necessarily. Right. So it's those things where you're just kind of like, this is very important, but you're never going to understand because it's like a lived experience thing and me explaining it even doesn't make it make sense for you. Well, we've gone through a lot, a lot of our own baggage on this episode. If you listeners have uh, an experience, a story about someone you've dated or the way your parents brought you up thinking about this topic, or you vehemently disagree with us on what we, on our perspectives on interracial dating, write us in at tell us where you're from at gmail.com the your is y-o-u-r-e remember that we're always looking for listener submitted stories for our reflections <laughs> episodes so write us in about this or anything else you want to and maybe you'll be featured on an upcoming episode uh, but come back next week because we will have another fresh new episode for you then and until then 再见, 再见, bitches. bitches.